I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. It's a special Thanksgiving edition of the show. You might be listening to this stuck in Thanksgiving traffic. You might be standing next to Aunt Pat cutting a turkey. Who knows? But thanks for listening on this special holiday edition of the Family Feud Podcast. Yeah, Keely likes to say that Tunnel Vision is your weekly therapy for USC football. Well, this podcast can be your therapy to get you out of something yeah. on Thanksgiving if you don't want to hang out with your family. Yeah, we get it. We we'll, understand. We'll be your family. Last last year, we published on Thursdays, so it was like a special Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> we'll be out on a Wednesday today, but still, you know, you might be late on your podcast feeds and you might be in a corner of your room. Listening. Or if you just want to re-listen to it. Hey, it's called The Family Feud. We'll be your Thanksgiving family. We're your family, your podcast family. Chris, any thoughts about this? I'm just wondering why you went with an Aunt Pat. <laughs> it seems like you bailed out of it at the last second. Uh, bailed out of what? Saying a different name. No. I think you were going to say Aunt Patrick no. or Patty, and you just bailed on Pat. Well, or, or she was thinking of someone else in her own family. Yeah, didn't I think she was like, herself. Yeah. Can't put them on the spot, you know. <laughs> Not that they listen to this podcast, but you know. you know. Like I said, it's a festive edition of the Family Feud podcast. We got some stock up, stock down, questions, heard it on the sideline, and of course, Chrissy T's signature segment, Take It or Leave It. And guys, we're coming off of another historic loss for USC, but we're still here. We're still covering the team. And we got some stuff to say, and we got to look forward ahead to what USC is going to do this week against BYU. The Cougars are coming to town. Dun 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 dun! <laughs> Come and get this one, Cougars. Is that a movie line that I don't Water get? Water boy. Oh, I didn't recognize that one. Okay, thank you. When they score the touchdown, I haven't seen Water Boy after in a Bobby while. Boucher comes out of the halftime. Coming at this one, Cougars. Sorry, Chris. Okay. Sorry. Can I also just paint the scene here? Chris is podcasting in a hat and sunglasses. I so. forgot I had a eye appointment this morning, and I go uh, glaucoma runs in my family, so I have to get all these tests done every time I go. And I get the the dilation and the thing and the light. I'm very sensitive, so they recommended I wear sunglasses. You got them googly eyes. I got them. Googly is this eyes. actually accurate? Or is this a bit? No, it's not a bit. Oh. I'm blind. I wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do wear glasses, but okay. I'm talking to two people who never go to the eye doctor. So, I like, do. whoa, whoa, whoa! I've been to the eye doctor before. Yeah, in 2020, no, 2002 was the joke was, I was trying to make. That was actually that's actually accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and time I went. Keely is blind, but she doesn't accept that she's blind. I am. She, I have glasses. That yeah, I because wear. we had to push you to go no. for like five years. <laughs> no, I know. I learned that I have astigmatism. Okay. Yeah. So in 2002, the last time I went, I got my eyes dilated. If you've been to the eye doctor more than more than once in the last five years, make a noise. 
That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> quiet as quiet as in here. Okay, Chris, you just dropped an F on very early in the episode, but that's cool. It's it's a holiday edition. Back to my story. In yeah. 2002, when I got my eyes dilated, um, I had a basketball game that night. So you know, in high school, girls play before the JV JV teams play, then the girls play, then the boys play, and. I had to warm up during the girls' game, and I still had sunglasses on because... Looking like a chiller. Yeah. And people were like, what are you doing? I was like, I just pulled my sunglasses down, and you could see uh, the dilation in my eyes. But the thing is, like, there's a computer screen in my way of, of Chris's face, and then the sunglasses and the hat, so he could be, like, literally a mannequin, and I would not know. <laughs> I just don't know who that is over there. That's he, fine. He usually is a mannequin. Yeah, that makes sense. Alrighty, guys. Like I said, we got to break down the sixty-two to thirty-three loss. Do we have to? We don't have to <laughs> per se. I know Ryan was kind of dragging his feet in yesterday's episode. He was giving turkey tips, um, so we can keep a brief stock of stock down if we want to. Shadi, I know you have something always stock up. I'm gonna start with the the DTR hurdle. He's been trying to do it for multiple years. He's been trying to do it multiple times this season. And he finally got it. He tried it earlier in the game against Zayvon Alford, and you know Zayvon just shoved him out of bounds. He tried it a couple years ago at USC. He tried to go over Isaiah Palmau and basically like got hit below the belt um, as he was shoved out of bounds. So he's been trying this over and over. He finally got it. And I think that just kind of sums up this game for USC, is that something that UCLA has been trying and trying for uh, against USC – and UCLA finally is able to get it, and they just you know they were dominant throughout the game on offense. Uh, you know after those first two passes from DTR, everything else pretty much went the UCLA's offense. Uh, it went the UCLA offense's way, um, and USC's defense had no answers, just no answers at all. You know whatever UCLA wanted, they pretty much got. Only one punt the entire game for <sighs> them, and after that punt, they scored on I believe eight of nine touchdowns the only one that failed was a missed field goal so they did not get points on just one drive after that punt which is just insane i think they had the kneel down at halftime too right which, right, right. which is counting the kneel down which also why throw it twice and then take a kneel down you know dtr's got an arm to throw it 60 yards that was surprising to me they didn't even take a shot on that um because with the way usc's defense played in that game throughout the the night or throughout the day are you would you have been surprised if they would have connected on that hail mary i wouldn't have Absolutely not. I had stock up for USC's incoming head coach because, like you said on on instant analysis, Shotgun, he cannot come here sooner. It is bad. And if (laughs) it's just crazy because it's week 12, but USC still has another game to play. And like I said, the season just won't end, but it's, it's rough. It's rough for... The Trojans right now. Yeah, in a similar vein, I had help wanted yeah. on stock up because, again, the help can't get here soon enough to start trying to make inroads to change the culture, to change all the negative things that are around this program right now because it's going to take a complete overhaul for that to happen. You know, just making this switch to interim, Dante Williams has tried a bunch of stuff and obviously it has not stuck with this team. So you're going to need a new voice coming in, clearing out a bunch of. Uh, of, of former, you know, for, to be former coaches um, and, you know, clearing out some players as well. So we'll see when the hire is made, how quickly the roster turnover happens, how quickly they make the coaching moves to, to fill the, the new staff. All that, the quicker that can happen, the better for USC. Agreed. Chrissy T, do you have stock up? No. 
I feel I'm like just kidding. I have Gary Bryant Jr. Oh, that's yeah. One of the bright spots um, from that just not fun game to cover on Saturday, but nine catches, career high, 161 yards, and a tuggy. Um, got some some deep passes going to him uh, later in the game. Um, I know we sort of pegged, you know, Taj Washington as a guy who could be the number one receiver, but it certainly seems like number one himself is stepping up into that role. He's quietly, you know, surpassed 500 yards receiving, which is a pretty good sophomore season. Um, I don't, I I looked up the stats after like later in this, earlier this week, and I was kind of like, oh, 500 yards already. That seems like a pretty good season. Um, Two more games left. Could get even higher. I think he's really starting to get a little bit of his confidence. You know, starting to Jackson Dart even said, you know, when Drake London was here, Gary was doing some really good things. But you know, when you have the number one receiver in the country, you kind of go to him a lot. So now we're seeing a little bit more of Gary emerge. So he can end the season, you know, on a little bit of a high note going into his junior year. He's healthy. That's that's yeah. a big key. I mean, Graham Harrell talked about it yesterday of the fact that you know. Spring camp, not being able to be healthy. He's fall camp, he started out uh, a little slowed as well, so it's taking him a little time. And he said last year in 2020, it was very similar. He worked his way into you know building up and becoming a weapon for them. So it's good to see him you know stepping up and becoming a playmaker for them. They obviously need guys to do that because this offense is bereft of uh, that type of talent with Drake London not on the field anymore. I had stock up for another playmaker, Keontae Ingram. When he's been in there, the offense is different, and unfortunately, he got banged up again. So the second game in a row that he's kind of left with an injury. So you know it'll be important to try to get him back this weekend, and you know for them to have any chance against BYU, they need that run game to be going and take some of that pressure off of Jackson Dart. But I thought Keontae Ingram when he was in there, he's a BYOB guy. Be your own blocker. You know he makes the first guy miss almost every time. You know he's you know when the offensive line is getting their blocks, he's able to turn. You know that that three or four yard run into an eight to ten yard run. Everything he's able to, you know, just increase the value of every run because he can make that first guy miss. In a similar vein, I had stock up for Vivai Malapai, mm-hmm. three touchdowns on the day, a nose for the end zone, and also stock up just because, like you mentioned, shotgun Keonta Ingram is banged up, so we might see more of Vivai Malapai, maybe even Darwin Barlow, um, but maybe go with old reliable heading into the BYU game. It was a classic. It felt like a classic, like Vi game, you know, comes out of nowhere and just kind of like always say what you will about Vi. He's not as physically talented as Keonta Ingram, but he's always going to run hard. He's always going to yeah. give you that effort. And he's known for coming up with touchdowns in the red zone. So just a classic uh, Vi Malapai game. Um, his last game against UCLA. He's got his last game in the Coliseum this weekend. Um, it's crazy. I feel like he's been here forever. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of an underrated Trojan and all, you know, the effort that he's given. Um, so, yeah. Team captain. Team captain. Team captain Vivai Malapaya. Let me put respect on that. Yeah. Yeah, in the first quarter, USC ran 26 offensive plays, so Keontae Ingram was in on 23 of them. The last two of them were Vi coming in at the end of that drive, so Keontae Ingram does a lot of the work on that drive, and Vi finishes it off. You know, making that first guy miss on the touchdown run, too. You know, an unblocked guy comes right out in the backfield, makes the guy miss, and then, you know, he's able to get in the end zone. That He has that nose when he gets inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5-yard line. He finds the goal line and gets in. Now I'm asking, because I'm not sure, any other stock up? I got a couple on defense, um, and I know you're going to look at the defensive performance overall and you say, oh, that's terrible. No one should be on stock up. 
But I thought Hunter Eccles filled in nicely. You know, obviously Drake Jackson was limited. He only played a few snaps. Uh, I haven't finished charting everything, but I think it was four snaps total for him. So he's only in on third and long situation. Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson, yeah. And Hunter Eccles, I thought, filled in and, and didn't admirably, you know, he didn't make any big plays or anything, but he, w- he was never really out of position really bad. And, you know, the reason why they were able to get some of those big runs or some of the big plays they got. Um, and then also Chris Steele, you know, he's a guy you look at it and you say, wow, look at the touchdowns they gave up. But you think about it, Chris Steele was never involved in any of those. He had an interception as well. So nice game for him and for against a team that he was formerly committed to. Obviously, you know, those are very small stock ups because of how bad the, the defensive performance was overall. But I thought those two guys were two guys that did play um, admirably in the game on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually have a stock neutral this episode. Shouts mm. to the neutral nation. I know I've been neglecting y'all for a little bit. I hope all five are listening. We're back. Hey, <laughs> it's a strong nation out there. I had stock neutral for Jackson Dart just because this was his first start as a true freshman. Yes, he's been in other games and stuff like that, but this was kind of some people thought he was going to be the savior. This could have been like a very dramatic, the true freshman comes in and saves the day and beats UCLA, but we came away talking about USC's defense. We didn't really talk about dart as much as other pressing issues um, which means that he had you know a true freshman start he made some mistakes he made some things that make you encourage for the future so overall i thought it was a neutral day for yeah. mr dart you know i don't believe in that but that is a good segue because stock down i had savior status that's good because everyone you know automatically thought that jackson dart would step in he's you know he's gonna be a playmaker he's gonna make all these plays and he could have finished he could have easily finished the game with four touchdowns Instead of giving the ball, hand the ball off to Vide down the red zone, if they throw a quick wide receiver screen and they actually blocked, now that would be a big question mark. But if they actually blocked, then hey, he gets an easy touchdown. And that's how he got some touchdowns earlier in the season, throwing to Drake London, you know, even the play that London got injured on. You know, when you can run the ball inside the 10 yard line or you choose to throw those quick passes, those are two different options. So his stat line could have looked even better with some extra touchdowns. But overall, I thought that he, he played fine. He did some things. He showed his talent, definitely. There were some throws he made. He's whoo, that's a really nice throw. But he also showed he's got a lot of a lot of room to grow as well, which is 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 exciting, I think. Um, you know, he doesn't square his shoulders up all the time. He does his mechanics need some work. And I, you know, I thought Keaton Slovis as a freshman, he had some of the same issues. And then last year, obviously, he had the issues uh, confidence wise, but also mechanically where the ball just wasn't coming out clean. And that happens sometimes to Jackson Dart. I think this offseason if he can go through a similar program like Jackson, I mean, like Keaton Slovis did last year, because Slovis's throws this year have been, you know, no one's talked at all about the ball not coming out of, clean, out of his hand clean, where that happens sometimes at Jackson Dart still. And part of it is just not getting his, his shoulders square, not getting his feet, uh, it, you know, directed in the right direction. So if he can do some of those things in the offseason, I think he has a great amount of growth that he can make in this first year. So, you know, I, I think it's enticing to see what he has been able to do and the fact that there's a lot of room to grow you look at that first interception that he throws the ball just doesn't come out of clean and because of that he's not driving that ball he doesn't get it out in front of Gary Bryant and because of that that gives the safety time to come over those type of plays where you turn a potential 30-yard gain into a turnover are things that can be cleaned up if he just cleans up his mechanics a little bit so you know I think it's encouraging to see what he did in a big stage first start rivalry game all that type stuff um, and the fact that how he bounces back from his mistakes, I love the way that he bounces back. I love the way that he, the camaraderie he has with all the players on the team. Yeah. But 
the savior status, I think he needed, needed to calm down. Even though you know fans were expecting him, I don't. I, it seems like fans were expecting him to come out and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. You know, which is actually what Keenan Slovis did two years ago and last year <laughs> against UCLA. Stop being such a Keenan lover, <laughs> shotgun. No, but in the same vein, I think uh, Dart also had some of those expectations for himself. He talked about it on Tuesday. He had really high expectations coming into the game, and that you have to assume that he thought that maybe he could be the turning point as well. But in that sense, I kind of had I had stuck down for morale and just fight. I guess fight on if we want to go Dan Weber. Um, <laughs> It's just it's just not great. I mean, Dante Williams was asked on Tuesday, do you think this team has bounced back from the UCLA game? And he was like, no. Did you see the start of practice? That was terrible. And it was. And so I just think this team is, it seems like they're kind of counting down the practices, the hours to just, you know, get this out of the way. Because everyone knows it's going to be different next year. It's going to be different coaches. What really is there to quote unquote fight on for right now? Which is, it's, it's sad to see because I think everyone involved in the program deserves better but um it's kind of where the program's at right now real quick on, back on jackson dart <laughs> same issues for Ke- that keen slovis had earlier in the year he needs help people need to catch the ball yeah stock down on catching the ball you asked graham harrell on tuesday <laughs> why aren't they catching the ball and he laughed and was like that's a great question <laughs> Yeah, and he said, you know, when you throw this many times in the, in the style of offense they have, you're going to have some drops, but the percentage of uh, the catch percentage is not high enough this season, especially on you're down in the red zone, back to back plays. One of them definitely would have been a first down, a fifth year, six year guy, whatever Katie Nixon is. Uh, I got him on stock down as well. He only played a few snaps, but if you're supposed to be the veteran guy, you come in, transfer, you're not getting a lot of opportunities. When you do get an opportunity, they put you in there on a third third down situation inside the red zone, you got to make that play. Yeah, for sure. I had stock down on special teams. Sort of been underwhelmed by special teams this season outside of, you know, Parker Lewis, who – it's also been a weird storyline of, you know, obviously he did not play on Saturday. Uh, Stadhouse took over the kicking duties and did fine. But, you know, it's just been a weird season with Parker. Like, he's missed three games now, one being for a targeting call, and he still leads the Pac-12 in field goal kicking, so or made, made field goals. And obviously the field goal unit is something that they depend on a lot. But obviously I'm referring to the 100-yard kickoff you give up to Casimir Allen after you fight back to make it a one-score game, nine points, or you cut it to, to single digits. A manageable lead. A manageable lead, and then, boom, you just get freaking air taken out. What little air was in the Coliseum just sucked out on a on a monumental play, essentially payback for Gary Bryant's uh, game-saving return last year in the final, in the final minute. So uh, full circle there, but just you always felt like, something was going to happen on special teams throughout the season either you know give up a big return at a big time and obviously that came through on Saturday and just a just a terrible blown coverage there yeah devastating for them and it's that you know UCLA was basically running the same return the entire game and they had almost popped one once and Stadhouse made the tackle Um, and normally you can look at it and be like oh the kicker didn't get it into the end zone and you know but Stadhouse was pretty consistently getting the ball into the end zone. They were just returning it out because I think they felt UCLA felt like we've got an opportunity here. There's a chance here. We this is this is open. There's an opening here. We can make it happen. And you know when USC scored, 
And surprising they went for two right there. Could have made an eight-point game, so you are within one score. Instead, it's a nine-point game because you don't get the two-point conversion. So there's a little bit of, oh, man, didn't get the two-point conversion. We're still down two scores. And then immediately after that, the kickoff return just absolutely just takes all the air out of the stadium. Everyone that was cheering suddenly is silent. Um, and, you know, the, the UCLA fans are going crazy. And, you know, that was that was the turning point for me because there was no coming back after that. USC, you know, they needed special teams to go their way because of the way their defense was playing. They weren't getting UCLA off the field. They got those couple of turnovers early. They needed either some special teams, you know, some big plays on special teams to help make up for the defense, or they needed extra turnovers. You know, when you get two turnovers, you feel like that's an okay day for the defense um, in that category. But, you know, the way that when you give it 62 points, there's just no answer. Um, and you need special teams to be a contributor when your defense is struggling like that, and that definitely wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Stadhouse should probably be on stock up as well. Uh, he's a guy you could throw in there because, again, apparently, you know, according to the broadcast, it was a like right before the game decision that they that Parker Lewis just wasn't feeling well, and they you know a stomach bug or something. And I I didn't see Parker Lewis in the first half, you know, because I go down and I scan the you know the the bench looking for all the guys that aren't dressed to mm-hmm. you know just to had that list and I didn't see him anywhere and Keely and I discussed it like did you see Parker before the game warming up and we neither one of us had paid attention to to the kickers in, in particular because neither one of them had been injured this week so you know we're looking for the injured guys and stuff like that to make sure everyone's out there so it was a little surprising it's like oh Stathouse is out there and I looked for Parker Lewis couldn't find him he was there in the second half so maybe he just stayed in the locker room in the first half I don't know for sure but so apparently that was like a right before kickoff type of decision so give credit to Stadhouse for stepping up second time this year where it's just been like you know one play into the game or right before the game it's like hey you're going in you got to do it oh, okay I got you <laughs> he made a tackle too that the saved could have been another potential touchdown from Casimir a good tackle too got there solid tackle Chris is, Chris is loving it as a former kicker yeah former kicker with some respect that's my kicking analysis <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of us has said this before on this podcast but I just said respect for the Coliseum and I know that's cheesy but it's just been so such bad showings at the Coliseum and there are still fans that are showing up and like it's just sad to see the dedication and they just get a performance like that shotgun I'm sure you have more color to add uh I think stock down playmaker or playmaking um Drake London not in the game Drake Jackson not in the game you know they're just Jackson Dart was kind of the and Gary Bryant were the the two playmakers. Keontae Ingram made some plays as well, but left the game. You can't have three playmakers in your starting twenty two. That's not you will never win a game. And you look at the front seven of USC's defense. And hey, I really like Nick Figueroa. I really like Jacob Lichtenstein. You know these are great kids um, that are giving their all. But would any of those guys start on a top ten team right now? You know, those aren't guys, you know, would anybody start on Georgia's defense? No. Um, so, you know, those are guys that are supposed to be complementary pieces. You're supposed to have some playmakers in there. you got to have a Leonard Williams, that defensive tackle. you got to have, a you know, that edge rusher that gets to the quarterback. They don't have that, and that's why you can give up that many rushing yards. That's why you can give up, you know, you can't get the pressure on the quarterback, so he has all the time to throw those, you know, 40-yard passes down the field. So, you know, they just don't have the playmakers right now either from injuries or just not recruiting them in previous cycles. But right now, they're, it's a huge dearth for them. Is someone that can you can look to on tape and like, that guy just won his one-on-one matchup and just beat somebody and made a big play and doing it on their own. 
and they're not scheming guys to have the you know a great opportunity to be wide open on a play like UCLA did on that tight end drag. You know, Michael Ezekiel has got two catches or three catches in the season. And he's wide open. No one's covering him at all. You know, they they drew up Casimir Allen getting wide open over the middle. And if you look on that play, there's a wide open receiver on the other side of the field too. So you know, USC had some busts as well, but. UCLA was putting them in those positions, and USC is not doing that with his players, and they don't have guys that are just winning their one-on-one matchups all the time. Gary Bryant did a great job, and that's the first time we've really seen him be like that, uh, maybe outside of that touchdown against Washington State right before the half. So they, they need more guys to step up. So I think playmaking playmakers is a big deficiency right now for them. Uh, and that's one of the big areas the new coach is going to have to address in recruiting to to try to find some guys that can really make some plays, or you just got to be able to out scheme everybody. And right now, USC is not doing that at all. Yeah, this is a question for both of you. If there was like a percentage rate, what would you attribute USC's problems down to recruiting right now? So how much will we blame recruiting for USC's issues right now? Yeah, like how much of the lack of recruiting? Well, I'm not going to blame this current class, the 2021 class, because they're freshmen. So that's that's kind of hard, even though they have some contributors throughout the team, not as many as you would hope for a team that took a big hit in 2020. That class is hurting. Meaning if you if you kept the momentum that Kiffin and Sark had in recruiting – and there wasn't a drop off. Just overall, I give it you know a third to forty percent probably. You know, I think a third of it is on um, this the administration, the higher rent, the, the administration, the coaching at the top end, all that. I think that gives a, a third at least, and then a third of it is schematically that you're not just creating openings for people, or you're just getting out schemed on defense and guys are running wide open for whatever reason. Um, so I think it's it's at least a third of their issues. And like I said, if you're not going to scheme guys wide open, you need guys that are just make plays on their own. And USC formerly could do that. You know, when you have, yeah. even, I mean, even two years ago, when you have Pittman, Vaughns, uh, you know, you have that group, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Drake London, you know, you look at USC this year, they haven't gone with four wide receivers in a long time. I can look it up here in a second, but it's been since like the second game of the season because they don't trust their their receivers to make plays so they don't trust the depth that they have at the wide receiver position they would rather put tight two tight ends out there and I also had on stock down tight end blocking the tight end blocking was atrocious I mean the tight end blocking has not been great but let's look at the the PFF grades there's four tight ends right Lake McCree Malcolm Epps Jude Wolf Eric Hook. all their run blocking grades were between 36 and 48 I don't know if you guys know but that's not good on 100 grade um, and then their pass blocking, only Jude Wolf and Eric Cromanhook stayed in for some pass blocking protection. Jude Wolf gets a 32, Eric Cromanhook gets a 59. So all your grades are between 32 and 60 for your, your blocking for all four of your tight ends. So it, they had chances where there was wide receiver screens that just don't get a block out there and it becomes a one-yard loss. Whereas, I mean, it feels like they're trusting that Drake London's still out there and he's going to break that first tackle. Drake London's not out there anymore, guys. Someone needs to block. And the tight ends didn't do their job on Saturday. I would agree with Shotgun's percentage. I mean, just imagine what that defense looks like if you have a Justin Flo out there in the middle for your defense or yep. a Troy Franklin running down the field or a Bo Collins, you know, big-time receivers that got away, or Sean Ryan is blocking for you at left tackle. You know, 
we, we can plug and play all these guys USC missed out on. And I think that helps a lot if you have those guys out there. Well, that's why I, th- I thought it would be a higher percentage, honestly. Because a lot of the time, USC has just made up for its deficiencies elsewhere with talent. Yeah, Jimmy's and Joe's you know, mean a lot more than X's and O's in college football in particular. But in college football, you can scheme up things you know, pretty consistently uh, with certain rules that there are with the blocking downfield that's a little bit different than NFL and different things like that. But I think that normally I would probably put a higher percentage on the recruiting, but I think it's also I want to give a third to – just all the issues that USC has had at the top of their program, you know, from you know from ten years ago leading up to sure. this, that have had added to their issues that they're having right now. It's a definitely a cumulative effect of from Pat Hayden to Lynn Swan to everything else to Clay Helton, the culture around the team, you know, the softness of the team. The defense is just weak. I put I said said it in um, I think in the third quarter after the first touchdown, they're just weak. You know, they don't make plays. They make a couple a game, but you know, USC had 90-something plays on offense. UCLA had 68, and it didn't matter because UCLA was gaining, I think, DTR through for like 18 yards of completion or something, and probably maybe even more. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but that's just a ridiculous number. USC couldn't stop anything. Alrighty, I'm sure people are sick of hearing about the UCLA game, so <laughs> I'm going to move us along. Well, how are we going to – we're just going to skip over Hurt It? You're going to try to do that again? Well, mm. no, 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 no. My Hurt It comes from <clears> – <throat> I agree. Let's skip it. Tuesday's practice. So it's a little different in that sense. But let's get some Hurt It on the sideline. I'm going to go first since you already prompted me. <laughs> My Hurt It and, – and Shotgun, you alluded to this when you are talking about Jackson Dart. I just thought it was interesting because on Tuesdays we're on the little perch uh, on the uh, aquatic center. And there's kind of like a lull a little bit where the defense was still working with its scout team and the offense was kind of done. And you can kind of see Dart like kind of tucking it up a little bit with the offensive linemen. Um, and they were doing this like headbutt thing, like come come together, headbutt. And like they kept doing it. I don't know. It sounds dumb, but it was like just a little bit of like camaraderie and silliness that I think one is missing just because I think everyone's a little bit miserable at this point in the season. But you can just see how Dart – and, and Keontae Ingram said this, he's a friend to everyone on the team. And you could see that in that moment where they're just kind of being silly. They're waiting around. And he chose that moment to kind of uh, bond with his offensive lineman. And we've seen in post-game interviews, because um, I've, I've seen it with uh, Justin Dietrich and Liam Douglas, or excuse me, Liam Jimmins. They get really excited when talking about Dart. And they're like, oh, I love that guy. I love playing behind him. And you kind of see in, in, in – moments like that why because like he is just an interesting fellow to hang around with at practice and and, and lulls and practice and whatnot yeah until he ends up on concussion protocol there was <laughs> one little hit where he was like whoa <laughs> but they were, it wasn't I that think big he was of a playing deal. it up yeah i know it wasn't that big of a deal that's why i had to add it okay <laughs> that he was joe he was doing a bit okay doing a physical bit okay and chris was all over it yeah. uh i have two Wow, I'm proud of and you, I'm Chris. actually surprised you didn't do anything from the game, well, to be candid. Okay. Since you fine. have more to work with. Oh. Being on the sideline wow. in your own segment. Oh wow. <laughs> Look, if you're going to make me do this and not expect me to take a shot when I'm you fine. when you sure. phone it in. Whatever. Oh, snap. I was trying to look forward, ahead. <laughs> yeah, and you just made us go stock down through this whole game again. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um... My first one is setting up in my press box. I do my little, I set up, Ooh, do my your press, press box. box. Yeah, I own that shit. 
I set it I up. Thought it was the Otis Booth press box. Apparently, it's, it's the, the Chris Torino. Chrissy T. I set it up. Get all my live updates thread, and then I go get some lemonade. Turn the corner. Bam! Clancy Pendergast right in my face <laughs> in the hallway. Oh. No, stay out. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. (laughs) You're done. Bam, right in my face. Boom. Talking to, you know, USC SID staffers up there. I'm like, whoa, this is weird. We're in the UCL baby blues. It was so weird to see him in the baby blues. Stay out. Stay out. (laughs) Mute yourself. Mute it. Press the button. Okay. Shotgun. Let's have a conversation. So he's there. I go get my, I go get, first of all, lemonade machine out. What the heck is that? Wow, that's messed it's up. just messed up. I come back. It was a premonition. Sorry, I'm muting again. <laughs> what the like, hell? <laughs> Sorry. Come back. Boom. Johnny Nansen. <laughs> right there. Not in the baby blues. Just dressed out. Very Johnny Nansen. He's standing there. Um, go back. You know, Ryan says, oh, I just ran into everyone over there. And, you know, Ronnie Bradford's also over there. Uh... And, you know, he put this tweet out, like, just saw these people. I make a joke. Oh, maybe they're just ghosts haunting the <laughs> the USC uh, Coliseum. Whatever. Uh, go down the field after the game. Who's down there? Johnny Nansen playing catch with his kids, which did not feel malicious, but it also probably felt really good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it didn't feel like Cristobal after the Pac-12 no, championship. No, it didn't feel like that, But but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Maybe 20% or something was like, yeah, this is my field. Just like scraping the dirt, <laughs> spitting on it. He wasn't doing that. I'm just saying. that That's that's sort of uh, what my interpretation was looking at it. Like, mm, maybe I wonder if it's like a little bit like, F you. I'm going to play on this field because it's my field now. To build off of that. Go ahead. One of my heard it's, and now this is relayed through a fan. Okay. So we're going to take this fan's word from for it. But they were one of the one of the uh, herd um a group that's over the tunnel and, you know, running up, you know, I talked to some of the people occasionally on the way up after games or before games. They yell down to me, shotgun. I just, I just talked to Nansen. I was just yelling at Nansen. And he basically said that, you know, he said, congratulations to Nansen on the win and said, you guys got it. Got us this time because we're down. We're going to get you in the future. And Nansen apparently now this is again, this is through a, a secondary party, but Nansen goes blame Helton. Oh, and I said, "Oh my goodness, that's that's got to go on her." It's got to go. <laughs> and Nansen, uh, when he came up the tunnel uh, after the game, was was very smiley, of course, uh, getting the win over USC, and said hello to everyone as he was going. Um, but it was, it was a very. Uh, I think he definitely was savoring that moment for sure. Uh, quick correction: not Ronnie Bradford. Greg Burns is who I referred okay. to. Greg Burns and Tim Drevno also on the UCLA staff. So what's that? One, two, three, four. Five? five staffers. Four or five. Um, and, and speaking of Drevno, uh, another heard it is him being on the sideline. Now, Johnny Nansen, which I thought it was interesting that you saw him up in the booth because he's not a guy that's up in the booth during the game. So he basically went up there, I guess, to, to speak with the Hand. staff members. Am I allowed to unmute? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Nansen was arguing with the refs on every call. He was just mm-hmm. at them, at them, at them. And I was like... Did he do that for USC? It's it's very like I'm going to do everything in my power to beat these 
sons of bees over there. I'm gonna. It was just a lot of well, invigoration. He, he also was a big part in why they got the offensive pass interference call yeah. on yeah. the screen when Taj Washington goes downfield because again, Titan doesn't get his block. Um, and then I think two plays later, when Lake McCree doesn't line up correctly. Johnny Nansen is all over the referee yelling at him and calling it out. So he helped get those two calls for him. He was working the refs all game. And so going back to, to my other heard it with Drevno, is Drevno's down the sideline. Now, he's just an analyst for them. Nansen is their defensive line coach. Nansen is making adjustments during the game with the defense. But Drevno is standing you know, behind the USC offense when, it's, when possible and looking at their, you know, their alignments, looking at what they're looking at their signs across the field, and trying to pick up whatever he can. And then he's like talking in Johnny Nansen's ear, and then Nansen is making adjustments. So, you know, if you can't beat your rival, one of the things you can do is go try to. And this is something you see in the NFL a lot: is you know, you go get someone off of waivers, you know, right before you play a team, and bring them in and try to get as much knowledge from them as you can. Keep them on roster for a couple of weeks, and you get rid of them again. So it's interesting that all the USC co- former USC coaches were working obviously against USC, and I'm sure Tim Drevno, being basically pushed out because he wasn't an air raid guy, was trying to lend as much information as he could to Johnny Nansen so that they could be successful against Jackson Dart and, the, and USC. Great observations, as always, from the sideline <laughs> in that practice. Did you have your other one? Uh, yeah, very quickly, though. Additional... Uh, Clancy Pendergast did come and say hi to the media, you know, where he usually... He said hi to you and I, Chris. We are media. Yeah. I was yeah, trying I to remain... Some respect on okay, that well, he did come and say hi in a very good mood. You know, usually we grab him after, like, Coach, can I do an interview? <laughs> Clancy would always do interviews. Yeah. He would always stop, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and, like, to the point where I could ask him random defensive questions at practice because I was just like, I'm curious. And so I always appreciate that, especially if we want to hurt it. And to be fair, he didn't want to talk after wins either. But Todd Orlando telling us immediately, striking us before we could even ask. Preemptive strike. Preemptive strike, thank you. He'll get us on Wednesday. Which so. day, yes. As I was about to... T- t- oh, okay, never mind. Get yeah. you on Wednesday. He's right. a shotgun. So we'll, we'll hear what he has to say about USC's defensive performance at practice on Wednesday. And my final heard it, which I believe I'm probably going to end this segment with, uh, is relevant to football in no way. But halftime, I went down to talk to a uh, parent that I got to know quite well on the recruiting trail um, that I hadn't seen in a while, and I wanted to just catch up with him at uh, at halftime. So I went down there. It is a freaking madhouse d- during this game to like just weave through people. The, the Coliseum <laughs> and the stands are just built, like the food stands are just built in such a weird spot that it creates this bottle. This is going off topic, but it is so tough to get through uh, the crowd sometimes because it's bottlenecked at some points and it's just like so aggressive, especially at a UCLA-USC uh, game. But I was talking to this parent, had a conversation for maybe like 10 minutes, and then I hear shouting behind me. And there's like a, a beer stand or something and there's like a long line. And I turn around and it's two fans like about to come to blows they're like shouting at each other like what the f you just say to me what'd you say to me and i realized it's two ucla fans about to fight each other (laughs) and i just thought it was the funniest thing because i'm expecting oh oh usc ucla and i'm realized no that guy's in baby blue that guy's wearing a gray ucla hoodie i don't think they realize what's happening 
but it was like an older guy, maybe like a 40 year old dad or something in glasses and like a, a drunk UCLA student. <laughs> and he's like, you know, when you're like drunk and you're like arrogantly happy about everything. Like you don't think anything is That's your problem. That's just normally, but yes. You don't think anything's your problem, especially even when you're that like, also me. <laughs> yeah. when especially when you're like about to come to blows with someone, or like you're in I've like. I've never a, like heard a, this phrase before. Come to blows? Yeah. What? Maybe because they don't fight. Sorry, just continue. Get out of the house. <laughs> Go live. Go get in a fight or something. Okay. So he's just like, like rub sh- shrugging off this guy who's about to like fight him. He's taking off his glasses. The older guy taking his hat off he's like ready to go like, so the been, older guy's ready to the fight the older guy's like i'm gonna do something like i i my mortgage is going badly my marriage sucks my kids suck i need to get some of this frustration i'm gonna beat this little little punk and the, the guy's just like like he, he doesn't he doesn't care he doesn't care and his friends are like trying to calm this dude down and he's just like walking around eating his like funnel cake or something and they're trying to like <laughs> explain to him the older guy that no, we're so sorry. Our friend's just drunk. Our friend's just drunk. It's it's okay. It's okay. Don't don't worry about. It. He he he's sorry. We're we're sorry. And the older guy has a, like a couple of women with him. And then the guy the friends whisk off the kid, the young guy. And then the woman's like, "Wait a minute. He just said he's twenty years old. How is he drunk?" <laughs> and the, and the older guy's like, "What?" But they just already ran out of the way. I was like, uh, "Have they never heard of underage drinking before?" Apparently not. Okay. Because they, because she was drunk <laughs> herself. But had the wherewithal. The wherewithal to, to realize, realize, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't age. add up. I just hope that this older gentleman um, had a baby strapped to him, oh, hangover no. style, <laughs> just on his back. He's like, "All right, let's let's go." He's gonna fight with the kid on his back. The kid's trying right. to throw some punches too. Oh, that's good. So I told you that had nothing to do with football. It was just a very interesting moment of two UCLA hey, fans about to beat each other to a pulp. Well, one was about to beat the other to a pulp. That's what hurts are about. Maybe maybe they were fighting about, I don't know, keeping Chip Kelly or something. <laughs> something. Chip Jelly. <laughs> Explain, Chris. Yes. I tweeted earlier that my phone was autocorrecting Kelly to Jelly, so it was coming out as Chip Jelly. And then he when... Didn't- Correct it. When Chip Kelly got the penalty called on him, I tweeted, penalty on Chip Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that during the game. Solid, though. Yeah. Solid. Um, hurt, back to football hurt it. Um, <laughs> we have more? Yeah, of course we have more. Okay. It's USC-UCLA with so many coaches. Of course there's more hurt it. Um, I'm surprised you didn't jump in with the, the fight that you saw in the, in the stands, apparently. Because I'm not talking about that. Oh, okay. Oh. We're going to skip that. Oh. <laughs> um but back to football, just looking on the sideline, USC, 30 scholarship players not dressed or not available for this game. Some guys just aren't in the stadium. 30 scholarship guys. When you're playing 55 versus, let's say UCLA has 15 at most, You know, when you're playing 55 versus 70, there's definitely an advantage for the team with 70, as USC found out during the sanction years. So you've got to figure a way to be able to get guys – available your, your best ability is your availability and for right now usc having 30 guys not available is you know and a lot of those are playmakers you know from Corey foreman to 
Drake Jackson being limited, I'm not even counting him, but Drake London, all these different guys that they've had not available, some guys that aren't with the team, Keenan Kristen, Brew McCoy, more playmakers that USC doesn't have right now. So that one's definitely, you know, kind of eye-opening because I usually I craft a tweet every game before the game. I start and I just kind of track who's not available. Um, and it took me three tweets to get all the names in there this time. And at the beginning of the season, it was one tweet. I did offense, I did defense. It took two to get all the defense. So uh, they've got to figure out a way to get everybody on the field. And I don't know how much of that is culture versus just injuries being banged up, you know, not being able to get guys academically ready to go. You know, there's a lot of different factors and different reasons for this, but it, it's a big issue for USC right now. Yeah. I just don't, you always mentioned Drake London in this, and I don't understand what you expect from him at this point. He was on the sideline. No, I'm just saying that you have playmakers out, and Drake London is one of those guys out. He's obviously their biggest playmaker, so it's hurting. When you don't have a guy like that, you need other guys to be stepping up, and unfortunately they don't have uh, other playmakers that are stepping up for them. And we, we've had this argument at practice before. Yes, like, we why, why are you counting Brandon Peely? His Achilles snapped. Leave him alone. He does not well, deserve yeah. to be. There are some players that are legitimately. Legitimately? Legitimately. <laughs> legitimately injured. Um, season ending injuries for some of them, but there's also some guys that, you know, their eyebrow hurts or something, you, you know, <laughs> that need to be out there or are not putting in the work that could have been back by now that we hear you know, tells of that aren't doing the rehab like they need to be doing, that aren't, you know, aren't taking care of their academics. And Dante Williams has called some of the guys out saying, oh, well, you know, because they're banged up right now, we've got them just focusing on academics. You need to be taking care of all your stuff so that you can be out there and contributing to this team, and that's not the case. You know, so, you know, part of it is the Brandon Peelys and Drake Londons, and it's unfortunate that they've had some season-ending injuries, but some of it is the guys that should be out there that aren't taking care of their business off the field, um, and, and whether it be rehab or academics or whatever, uh, issues with the law, all those things that should be with the team that aren't right now. Yeah. Rant over. It was like a Ryan rant. I mean, for every Menanoa Tufono, a guy who's not going to contribute significantly, there's a Brew McCoy who should be con- contributing very significantly for them right now. Okay, you got a legitimate argument. Okay, Legitimate, okay? <laughs> Alrighty, on that note, let's jump into some Hello, questions. I'm going to calm down oh. when my final heard it. <laughs> and because it's Thanksgiving, I want to give thanks for all the love and support that you guys give us. You know, when we're on the sidelines or coming in the stadium and everything, it's, it's always so appreciated when someone yells at us as, you know, we're, yeah. as I'm sprinting around the Coliseum um, trying to get photos or before the game as I'm tracking the players that are out or the recruits that are at the game. For someone to call us over and say thank you for for what we do or whatever, we really appreciate y'all, you guys, for sticking through this season. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know some people we get tweets almost every time when we have a tunnel vision or you know announce that we're having a uh, family feud podcast. Why would I even want to do that? But most of you guys do want to do that. The ones that are listening to this uh, do. So we appreciate you guys for yeah. sticking with us, even though the season has not been fun as a for USC fans. Yeah, for sure. Plus one on that one. You're okay. What? Nothing. You're okay. I, I, I corrected myself in my head. <laughs> okay. Also, um, random heard it. I had to explain to someone. They were like, why does, Why are you always dressed more warmly than shotgun? And I was like, a shotgun does sprints during the game. <laughs> I My job involves me being very still. Yeah, I had a, a, a USC um, person, person in the ministry, or I had someone in the USC athletic department talk to him this week. Um, 
And they're like, I thought you were going to pull a hamstring. And I told them, I was like, Saturday is the only time I get any exercise during football season. <laughs> I don't have time to, to be exercising the rest of the rest of the week. So Saturday, I get my sprints in back yeah. and forth. It's always so funny looking at my steps. It's like Saturday is like, <laughs> it's a big peak. All righty, let's jump into some questions. Obviously, I'm just going to combine all of the same ones with the same topic. They want to know about USC's next head coach. The main question we got was, who are our three top choices for USC's head coach next season? Are we rapid firing these? Or what are we yeah, doing? let's do it. Top three? Yeah. Aranda Campbell Fickle. That seems to be the consensus top yeah. three that everyone's throwing out there. The only other name that I think has been mentioned more frequently recently would be Dan Quinn as well, um, which Chris is not happy because he's a Cowboys fan. Uh, Dan Quinn... Former Falcons coach. He's also got Pete Carroll ties. So, you know, we, we got all kinds of ties on this this, uh, this program with, with Dan Quinn. So he's in the, in the mix as well. You know, that's one of the names being thrown around a little bit. But for me, I'll go ahead and give my opinion. My, my pick would be Aranda. Yeah, I think he fits here. He's a Southern California guy. They need defense. They need that mindset. There's some questions about his recruiting, but he was on LSU staffs that recruited like heck. So... Um, I don't have the big issue with that, but I think he would be the pick for me as of right now. Yeah, I would go with Aranda as well. Chris, if you're, uh, if you're my bone, oh. who, who are you picking? We've gotten several questions that include that as well. I mean, I don't have any more to add, but Aranda would be my pick as well. Makes sense. We're in consistency. I guess USC should listen to us. Look at that. <laughs> we got a question um, from... Mike, who said, what is your best guess on the timing of announcing the next head coach? Do you think they've actually interviewed candidates yet? I don't I don't really know what to say here. Do you think they have? Yes, I think they have. Yeah, I definitely think they have. Um, how formal those interviews are that, right. you know, that's a, you know, have they brought people in and sat them down in Heritage Hall to talk? Maybe not. But they have had interviews, the discussion with agents, all that back channel stuff as well. They probably also have sit, sat down with some coaches on mm-hmm. the road somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more difficult to do a flight tracker when it's Starkville and there's only one airport within, you know, an hour radius versus when there's like seven at, in LA. Yeah. You know, whether it be the small private air, air um, private airports or, you know, the, the big ones. So, yes, I think they've definitely done that. The timeline. Maybe as soon as the, the next few days. I mean, not this week, but next week. Because there will be some coaches that their season ends as far as their regular season ends. So a lot of times when a regular season over, that's when you see the first couple, you know, the first week, the first two weeks going into the bowl season, some coaches will make the jump from a smaller program to a bigger program. And even if their team is set to go to a bowl game, there'll be someone else to take over that role. So it could be as early as next week. Yeah, I mean, looking at those three guys that we just mentioned, Campbell, his season will be over after mm-hmm. this weekend. Aranda could possibly be playing in a conference championship. And then Fickle, obviously, they have college football playoff yeah. aspirations. So it's a very full range of the spectrum with mm-hmm. the three guys we just named. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. So say that their guy is Matt Campbell. Obviously, their season ends on Saturday. The regular season ends on Saturday. Saturday night, Sunday, you start putting together the contract, and you know by Monday they can make an announcement if that was you know who they were targeting, and you know he was going to accept that. If Aranda, Aranda could get in the 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 Big Twelve championship, but also could be done on Saturday, depending mm-hmm. on some of the other outcomes. So you know it, it it 
maybe Monday or Tuesday could be the earliest I would see USC making a move. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Make sure repeat that. Not saying that's going to happen, but that is a that would be the earliest that the timeline could happen. Could be as late as mid December, even later, depending on if you're looking at you know if you're looking at Dan Quinn, that's your guy. It could go all the way to January. Really, why'd you have to use that example? <laughs> because he's the NFL. Anyone, any, okay. If Pete Carroll's your guy, okay, you happy? And he gets in the playoffs, then that's a better one. <laughs> <laughs> then it could go all the way to January. My gut says before the early signing period. Yeah, they definitely want to do it then. They want to do it as soon as possible. Um, the fact that they haven't made a move, move so far tells me that it's not a Bob Stoops or a guy that is Chris Peterson, a guy that's out of coaching right now, because you, yeah. you would have just already made that move. Yep. Like, like Look at UConn with Jim Mora or even Georgia Southern with Clay Helton. Sure. We got a question from Alex who said, what happened to USC's top 10 recruiting class of last year? It seems like no, nobody in that class is making a difference on either side of the ball this year. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Sorry, I just we cover so many classes, so it's hard to like uh, visualize who's in what class, and I'm trying to process it right now. Obviously, you'd want a, you'd be hoping for a lot more production from Corey Foreman. Uh, that's obviously the gem of that class. Uh, big uh, number one overall player. Use a uh, uh, pass rusher. He's just been banged up or inconsistent. You know, it's it hasn't been um, the season everyone was projecting. Certainly, I I projected him to do really really well, but that hasn't been the case. I'm not saying that's like a terrible thing for him. It's just you know, freshmen take time to adjust. Did not play his senior year, so the the curve is a little bit uh, steeper for him. You know, you've had some of the secondary guys contribute a little bit. Jalen Smith, Prophet Brown, uh, Kalen Bullock has emerged as a starter. Obviously, Jackson Dart. Um, obviously they're not, it it looks a little bit worse just because the wide receivers haven't really contributed as much as USC needs them to contribute. You know, they did not get a big time wide receiver that would have absolutely helped in in a situation like this. So I think that's hurting them a little bit. Obviously the offensive line, uh, hasn't been, you know, the offensive line recruits in that class haven't been, you know, instant impact guys that, that, USC fans have guys that USC fans have been hoping for, you know, those big five star, four star guys. So that has also hindered it a little bit. So, I mean, it goes back to what we've said the last couple of months like, defensive recruiting has been much better than offensive recruiting. And I think you're sort of seeing that with this class outside of, you know, Jackson Dart. Um, but even still, it's not, it's not enough that you would expect out of a top 10 class. But again, th- they're freshmen. You know, yep. it takes time. A lot of them didn't play their senior year, so I think yeah, that has hurt a yeah, little bit. So I think it it, it 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 you know sets the ceiling a little bit lower than you know a traditional top ten class. Yeah, it's kind of like a reverse redshirt year because so many guys didn't play last year um, or had very limited spring seasons. It's kind of like a reverse for you know it's like a um, a gray shirt year kind of for them. It's mm-hmm. like they're trying to get their 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 football feet back. Um, and then, you know, and some of them will redshirt, but, you know, Corey Foreman has been the disappointment because he just hasn't made the immediate impact because he's been banged up. But Jackson Dart's obviously starting as your quarterback. I think that's, you know, if you have a freshman that's starting as a quarterback, I think that's a huge thing. But there's some other guys that we expected to be some, you know, to be able to contribute on offense or defense already. And that necessarily hasn't hurt, happened because of one injuries, Michael Trigg um, or Corey Foreman. 
or just not getting that opportunity. Rajon Davis is a guy that I expected by this point to be getting some run at linebacker, or even Julian Simon. I know he was your your breakout guy for a spring, I think it was. Why'd you have to bring that up? And I, I asked about him. I asked about him on Sunday, Dante Williams, like because he's the one guy that hasn't been injured and isn't an offensive lineman that isn't getting an opportunity, even on special teams. And I don't really understand it. And Dante's answer, I didn't really didn't think really address the the question either. But um, you know, there's. Kalen Bullock obviously is a star uh, in the in the making, and Jalen Smith has made some plays as well. So there's some guys that are stepping up, and Michael Jackson stepping up now. If you throw in the transfers, then you know you got a couple more impact players as well. And quickly, you lost Jay Toya, who probably yep. would have been a starter. So yeah, not and probably. To your point, Chuck and Dante did say that on Tuesday in his press conference. He said it's like a redshirt year, but not even close to it, just because in a normal redshirt year, you are still you still have access to weights and and running and all that conditioning and you didn't even get that in some places with COVID and whatnot. So it's a, it's a learning curve for sure. We got a question from Rechan who said, what impact do you think the new coach can have in recruiting uh, in this 2022 class with so little time? Potentially huge, you know, one, cause they've already been recruiting a lot of players and maybe they flip some of the guys that are already in their recruitment or maybe you know, if you're at a Baylor or a Cincinnati, maybe you're not getting your foot in the door or fully in the door um, with a certain recruit because they want to go to a big time program and USC is a much bigger program. So maybe that gives you say, hey, you know, what do you think now? They like the coach, but they didn't, you know, didn't like the program. And maybe that gives them an opportunity. And anytime you get a new head coach, there's just a huge wave of momentum behind it because hope springs eternal and everyone goes oh they're going to change this they're going to they're going to bring USC back and I want to be a part of that and especially if you're a local recruit and you grew up a USC fan but you're not happy with what's happened the last five years you might see that coach and whoever it is and be like oh I love what they did at that school I think they can they're going to turn things around I want to be a part of it and so that's how it can you know can quickly turn around but again the less time they have, the more difficult that task becomes. So the sooner you can hire them, the better for that reason. Um, but you know they're going to try to make the best hire more is more important than getting a recruiting class. Just to jump on that very quickly, I think a lot of local guys that maybe guys that are, that are committed to other places but have kept USC around, just maybe in their top five, or you know are still taking visits to USC despite the commitments to other places. I think they really want. USC to be good they again lo, the local guys like a guy like maybe like really Brown or CJ Williams you know they're still taking visits to USC I, it, it feels like you know we really want to go to USC a part of us really does want to stay local go to USC be a Trojan but we just can't you know give our signature to what the program has become but when you get a new coach uh, like you said new energy new momentum it's I think it's an easy sell I think it's a very easy sell, especially for an offensive player. You know, we need playmakers. So I think it's great. Point. So I, I'm saying you just need a couple days. You know, you don't want to go like two days before the signing period. <laughs> a couple days, a few days, four days, whatever. I think you can get some guys on on board. But if you have a little bit more time, then that Absolutely. gives, gives Absolutely. you a chance. One, you can bring in official visits again. Yeah. But two, the in-home visits for head coach. Yeah. So he can sell that to the parents and everyone else around it. And whether it be those guys you mentioned or Ernest Green or even just on the West Coast, Josh Connerly is a big offensive line prospect from Washington that was on campus. They're getting some guys to come to campus still, and that's an unofficial visit. So he, he and his pops flew down to L.A. to go to this game and see USC without USC paying for it. 
So you get a new coach in. Now he brings him in for an official visit. He's already showing that he's interested in USC by making that unofficial visit. So, you know, those are the type of players that if you close those, suddenly you flip this uh, recruiting class around and you go from 58 to at least in the top 20, 25, and you got a much different dynamic and you got some more playmakers. And a guy like CJ Williams or Raleigh Brown, you know, are true playmakers. And that's what obviously, like you mentioned, this offense needs. We got a question from Miles who said, besides the firing of the head coach, do you see any bright spots this season? Any players surprise you slash stand out? Give me something to be thankful for. All the best to you uh, this Thanksgiving. Thanks, Miles. Bright spots. I mean, Jackson Dart is obviously, I think, a, a really nice bright spot. You know, as Keontae said, you know, that guy is a future Heisman winner. So you have some talent there at, at the QB spot. I know we've sort of dinged up about the, the wide receiver position, but like I said, Gary Bryan has had a really nice sophomore season. Um, he could be a guy that could be, you know, a big weapon for the next offensive coordinator, next next head coach. Um, I think Tuli Tui Pelotu is, I think he's not getting enough love for what he's he's been going through down there on the defensive line. You know, I believe he leads the team in sacks. He, I think he's having a really great year despite everything that's going on with that defense. Um, I think he is a really nice building block uh, up front. Uh, and then obviously Kalen Bullock. Uh, it, we, we've talked about it and, you know, before this season really fell off the rails, but that's a guy you can just see who has a really bright future and a ton of potential, like straight up all American potential. So I think th those are just a few to, to throw out there. The one that sticks out in my mind that you didn't mention is Keontae Ingram. Mm -hmm. um, he's been fantastic. Uh, and I think the offensive line has been so much better than it was two yep. years ago or even last year. So I think the the work that um, that Clay McGuire has done with the offensive line has been you know, really eye-opening to me that it's all the same guys, but they're playing so much better than they were two years ago or last year. Mega USC fan wanted to know, I think it's an interesting question, NASCAR is coming to the Coliseum in February. Any word on what that process time frame for the field to become a track and back? Any negative outcomes from this? I just want to say Shotgun is a big NASCAR guy, apparently. We've talked so about weird. this on the Arizona. A big NASCAR guy. You're a NASCAR guy. Relative to everyone I know, you're a big yes. NASCAR guy. Relative to everyone you know, yes. And we actually were in town for the, for the Arizona state trip. Wasn't there a national the championship, championship game. Yeah. game for the championship game? Yeah, and, and the TV was on in the office when you came back to do tunnel vision and you saw the winner and he yep. was so mad. Yeah, because I had it recorded. See, big NASCAR guy. Big NASCAR But guy. I just want to say, you told me that there was a NASCAR thing going on there. I don't know anything about NASCAR and it just doesn't seem big enough to hold a NASCAR <laughs> event. In my mind, you need a lot more space for that. To, to happen so i i don't know anything about logistics i don't know any of that yeah. i'm just saying it does not look like a nascar race could happen in the coliseum that's all i'm saying i'll kick it over to him i mean i'm fascinated by it because it's a super short track for them to put that in there um because like daytona speedway is like two and a half miles so like there, there's times during this season that there was rain at one end of the track and there wasn't rain on the other end of the track like that's how big the tracks normally are now they have some smaller ones that are usually a mile long this is, I think, going to be like a quarter or a half mile. So it's going to be super short um, as far as the track itself. So that's, they're going to put it in the bowl. It should be really interesting. You know, they've done, I did some research when I saw this news. They've done some stuff at the Coliseum before, but it's been around the Coliseum, outside the track or outside the stadium itself. So it would be in interesting to see. You know, they've had 
Um, you know, they've had football games at the Bristol Stadium where they, they have races. They've had races in different – in I think uh, Virginia Tech maybe they had a race there. So there's been a couple of times where they've done different things like that. Uh, so it'll be – I think it'll be fascinating to see how they do it. But any negative outcomes from this, I will say the Coliseum has been a terrific surface this year compared to what it was a couple years ago when the Rams were there as well. And just like, it would just be torn up. You remember the Arizona state, the Arizona game where yeah. there was multiple injuries, the turf was just coming up. Um, and this season, the turf has been immaculate. I think the weather has been better for it as well. Um, so it will be interesting, you know, in February, it's not a big deal. You know, USC this year had to move their spring game and they moved their spring game to an earlier date in their spring schedule because there was a rugby game coming to the Coliseum. So these are this is what happens when you're a you're sharing a field um, when you're not the sole tenant of a, a field like a lot of schools are with a campus stadium. So that's the give and take with it of being in a historic stadium. But it should be again. I think it's going to be fascinating to see NASCARs in uh, NASCAR uh, race inside this, and it's not a actual like part of their season, but it's an exhibition type of thing. That's fun. The only thing this reminds me of is uh, at Angel Stadium. There's always a monster truck rally. And to me, it's like the signal of like fresh grass is going in, season's <laughs> coming around, guys. So to me, that's the only thing it reminds me of. And um, we have a couple more questions. One from Wait, you. Have you guys ever been to a monster truck event? I should have because it's right there at Angels, but no. No. It is so loud. Oh, really? So loud. I went when I was like 12 or 13, birthday present. And it's fun. It's definitely fun. But there's just, it's like I also went to – they used to have them in the Georgia Dome, which was beside Phillips Arena where the Hawks play, and I went to a Hawks game, and you can hear the trucks as you're going into the other stadium. You could hear them from inside the Georgia Dome. So it's fascinating. I just really don't – I don't think anyone does, but I really don't like the smell of gasoline, and I feel like that would uh, oh that would uh, put a damper on your boy. <laughs> Good. Our final question comes from Sawyer. Who says, my name's Sawyer. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I've loved USC ever since I was a kid, and even though I didn't get my degree from SC, I'm still the biggest supporter in Oklahoma, guaranteed. And he says, how concerned are you that USC could lose all levels of respect in the football program after this year? My friends are convinced that this season is the nail in the casket. If we don't turn this next season around with a good coach, are you worried USC will turn into Nebraska? Sorry for the long message. Big fan of all you guys. Keep up the good work. You. I don't feel worried. Simply because you're getting a new coach in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, whatever. There's going to be a renewed sense of energy. I'm not saying they're going to go to the playoff in two years, but I think you'll see. You'll f- they'll flip the script. You know, you'll see better defense. You'll see you know potentially better offense you know i think it'll take a little bit of time but i don't i don't think you're going to the ways of you know having another season like this anytime soon next season could be rough I, i've said that a couple times on tunnel vision um but i i don't think usc is going the way to nebraska and one of the big things is you're in a fertile recruiting ground nebraska is not nebraska has to go to texas to get their recruits you know or the the more apt comparison is miami and miami is kind of mm-hmm. Um, confusing that they haven't been more successful, you know, since their national championship teams at the beginning of the this century. Um, but you know, they've also still had eight, nine, ten win seasons, you know, 
every other year or whatever it may be, you know, pretty consistently there. So I think that's more apt to a comparison. Now, Miami has obviously fallen off from where they could be, and I think USC is kind of in that predicament. But going to the Nebraska level, I think it's just because you're in a fertile recruiting ground and because of the degree that USC offers, I think you're always going to get talented players to be able to come to USC. I think it's similar to Notre Dame that you can attract from all over the country because of the degree itself. And then also similar to Miami, you can still, or Florida or Florida State, you can still get a number of recruits there and you can turn things around quickly because of just your local uh, fan, your local recruiting grounds. Alrighty. On that note, it is time. We, we did have one more. I don't know if you missed this one, but Jesse, our our resident. Oh yes, sorry about that. UCLA fan. Jesse's girl. Sorry. I don't know if Jesse has a girl or not. He's a UCLA oh. fan, so there's no guarantee. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "Whoa, where did that come from?" Oh, Jesse. that was funny. No, he's a resident UCLA fan. We gotta uh, be nice. But Jesse had a great question. What kind of pie on Thanksgiving? I was just yelled turkey. That was turkey wrong. pie. Of course you would. Pumpkin pie. Of course. Ugh. It's so good. Ugh. Okay, what's your pie, Mister Gun? Pecan. Aren't you Gun. making one by hand? Oh yeah, it's on your to do list today. <laughs> yeah, along with everything else I'm supposed to be doing today. Yeah, pecan pie. I, I make a. Uh, usually, I've made a bourbon chocolate pecan pie. Ooh, it's really good. Does it have like a nickname? You're from the South. I feel like it has some, like, shotgun, slap your mama pecan pie or something like that. <laughs> Nothing like that? No. Okay. I used to make, um, when I was still in Georgia, I used to make a what's called a better than sex pie. <laughs> which That's is, the name of mascara. Which is actually not, it's more of a layered parfait than a pie per se, but it's still really, really good. Huh. Interesting. It's <laughs> I'm a big uh, pumpkin guy. See, I, I've already, why I've, did you defend me? I've already... What? I didn't what? First of all, you don't you don't eat the pumpkin pie like I eat the pumpkin pie. Like I said, I did this last year on the family feud, didn't I? You did. You actually did. And, and someone actually sent it yeah. to me. You for for new listeners that maybe we picked up this year, maybe don't know my stance on this, you take a pumpkin pie. First of all, no dry pumpkin pies. The the top has to have that like sheen of uh yeah. sheen. Of, of sheen all day. Moisture. Yeah. You need a little bit glistening. of a moisture, yeah. Glistening. Um get a nice fat slice. You get Cool Whip, and I'm Cool Whip, not off-brand Cool Whip. You get Cool Whip, none, nothing out of a freaking can, because that shit is not good. <laughs> you get Cool Whip, get the biggest spoon you can find. I'm talking about a fat spoon. Get in there. I like about two dollops. Sometimes when I'm feeling frisky, it's three dollops, but two dollops will do, especially if you got a big spoon. Then you ensconce that bad boy. Use the back of the spoon. Get the whole meat of the pie, not the crust, just the whole meat, the good stuff. Enconced in that that fluffy white goodness. Take a nice little picture. Send it to me on Twitter. Yeah. And then and then enjoy that. You get that nice sugary blast from the Cool Whip and the nice pumpkiny uh, flesh of that uh, that pumpkin pie. It's so good. Flesh. Yeah. What else would you call it? The meat. I don't know. I just said meat. Okay. Sorry. I'm using a different word. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. We all have our answers, yes? I'm not a pumpkin pie fan. Clearly. I'm not a pumpkin fan. But why? Oh, just the pumpkin? But it doesn't taste like pumpkin. I don't like anything pumpkin. Okay. Not pumpkin spice. No, pumpkin. No. <laughs> no. Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin Patch? No. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Already. You have, you have pig pen energy. 
Only uh, Cinderella's <laughs> pumpkin. That's the only pumpkin I'm okay with. Mm, okay. Why? Turn into a full full carriage. Come on. <laughs> dope ass pumpkin. Okay. Shotgun only wants pimp. Pimp your pumpkin. Shotgun only wants a pumpkin, pumpkin if it can turn into a vehicle. Sure. Transformer. Alrighty. It's time for me to pass it over to Chrissy T. It's time for some take it or leave it. Uh, we have a lot to get through today. Oh, goodness. All right, so, I'm going to be quick today. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Famous I promise. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. <laughs> um, take it or leave it. The only program. Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. Rewind. We don't have a fake corporate sponsor? We do. I was just getting to that. Okay, sorry. Take sorry. it or leave it. The only ad read that people actually don't fast forward through. Leave it. I mean, take it. <laughs> Wow. I do this with directions too, and it gets people really mad. Not on purpose. Take it. Uh, so let's get into it. We have a lot to do. Shaka, let's throw it back to like what three months ago. What What do you remember about that 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 first week of the season? What What do you remember about that? The first week of the season. You forgot what I told you to say, didn't you? <laughs> You were, I was supposed to say something? Yeah, I <laughs> told you when it was just us in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely for us. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. Shotgun, maybe this will help you. What do you remember about that week you were down oh. and I had to fill in for you? That's right. I was at home. Okay. And you were down on the field. No, that's... I was down and you were up. That's what you said. Okay, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Not what I was up and you were down. I feel like there was something to do with directions. Now I feel like Keely. Excuse you. I believe you actually just said you don't know. I, be- right. I believe what you told me when we were just sitting here unprompted. Yeah, you you yeah. told me that you know I stepped up for you. Oh, exactly. Big stepping. Big big stepping, and you know I had to do all those instants, practice and game day. I had to do tunnel vision for you. Yeah, big stepping, like I said. Big stepping with, with QB1 down. Look like a healthy marquee step. Okay, now, now you're doing too much. Now you're just <laughs> now you're just overcorrecting. <laughs> and I need you to chill out. So it was it was brutal for me as someone who does not like to be on camera. And you did not re, you did not tell me, neither did Keely, about how important it is to look good on camera. You didn't you didn't give You didn't Chris. say how much you know work goes into that. <laughs> And again, you didn't warn me, Keely didn't warn me. No one told me about this being on camera. So that got me thinking. That got me uh percolating. And that's why we're proud to announce a sponsorship, fake corporate sponsorship this week with Sephora. Oh, let's the go. Official Peristyle brand makeup is coming to a store near you. Okay. Now we want <laughs> we always want to be. This is what I saw. We always want to be using our own products. <laughs> and as my, my, my co-workers can see here, I am fully rocking out with the new Peristyle brand. I'm actually rocking the Keeley palette today. <laughs> as you can see. He's wearing eye makeup, ladies and gentlemen. I'm rocking the Keeley palette, and I'm ready to rock for an instant, or maybe a movie premiere, whatever. I can do both. Wow, versatile. So versatile. It's the perfect opportunity with Black Friday coming up. To get some exclusive color palettes, we all get they one. They do we, have a sale. Sorry, we, we do all have our very own 
exclusive color palettes that will be out in Sephora starting on Black Friday. You can get some for your lady, your mom. Or you. Or me. That winged eyeliner. Yeah. Looks great. We can get all this, you know. We're not, we can't get into basically all the details about each individual palette because, you know, it's a secret sponsorship. But Shotgun yeah. is basically 17 shades of gray. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say on that one. So take yourself to a flawless level and leave wigs snatched. Snatched. Sephora. We can only do so much. We can <laughs> okay. only do so much. I have a lot of questions here. One. Uh, first of all, that's my job. One. Did you see me staring at you? No. Okay, because there was a point where, like, First of all, I, I saw... don't have glasses on, so oh, I'm blind. Right, right, right. Shotgun showed me the class, and I was like, "Yeah, you couldn't see." I can't head. see the class. <laughs> well, oh, you're that. Your eyes are that bad. Yeah. Wow. I saw like a, a, a black little line, and I was like, "I don't think they do that when you dilate your eyes." And I was like, "Oh my god, he has winged <laughs> eyeliner on!" And I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" <laughs> so, yeah. What, what, what went into the shades today? We have a lot to get through. I'm sorry. We have a I lot just, to I'm get really through. I'm really admiring your work. Okay, oh, well, you yeah. can take this off air. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I will. So, shout out to Sephora. Let's jump into these. I just hope you're wearing this to practice. No comment. Uh, I do have a makeup wipe. Uh, and it's no. hilarious because I didn't Don't do my makeup coming in the studio today. Sorry, continue. Flight season tracker. Take it. Flight tracker season. Sorry, that's what I meant. Take it. I'm into aviation. Although, like I said, very difficult to do with USC because it's not it's not Starkful. LSU in Florida will make head coaching hires before USC. Oh, oh no! We're doing not both of them. One of them. We're straining. One yeah. of them. One of the one of them will beat USC to a coaching hire. And announcing it. I'm gonna take it. Oh, okay. I feel like Miami's gonna do something. Miami, Florida's gonna do something like. Miami could do something as well. <laughs> sure. They could fire their coach. Wacky. I'm going to take it because Billy Napier just seems so evident for Florida. Everyone's throwing that name out there. It just seems very cut and dry. Okay. You feel there is 0% chance that USC is going with the NFL guy? Never say never. Get that? That was like... Yeah, I'll leave it. I wouldn't give it a very good chance, but I would leave it for zero. I will leave it as well. Okay. There's also the possibility they get turned down by multiple yeah. people. Why would you say that? Now everyone's going to freak out. <laughs> it happened when they got Pete Carroll and worked they, out. They already aren't freaking out, Chris. Yeah. A player hits the portal before the season ends. Leave it. A player hits the portal before the season ends? Are we counting the, like, reschedule as well? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure. I didn't want, I'm always looking out for So you're saying after this week, the season is over? Well, I don't know how these rules work. I'm you don't gonna, know how time works? I'm going to leave it. You left it too? Yeah. Because I think people are going to wait and see who the next coach is. If you've waited this long, you might as well keep going. At least three end of the year starters will transfer out. Ooh, that's juicy. I'm going to take it. You see my eyeliner? I am juicy. <laughs> it looks like the French Please flag. Please stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Three starters. I'm going to leave it. I don't, mm-hmm, I don't okay. see three. You left it? I took it. Oh. I didn't even snuck that one in. I did. Moving on. 
Dennis Dodd tweeted a couple hours before this that Luke Fickle is telling is going to stay at Cincinnati. They're telling recruits that. So let's just throw it out there. Fickle will be at Cincinnati in 2022. Oh, if you're basing it off of the Dennis Dodd tweet, then I'm leaving it. What what else would I base it off? Well, no, but meaning like what recruits are told is never like gospel. Yeah, we know this. Well, do other people? I'm just saying. So I'm giving you the opportunity to talk about it. (laughs) And you're criticizing me for talking about it. (laughs) But I'm using it because it's significant news. (laughs) Uh, I'm TVing this one. Oh my gosh. I am. You're ridiculous. I am. I'm going to leave it. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Not saying he's going to USC, but not saying he's going to coach Cincinnati next year either. Counter Ingram plays this week. I'm going to take it. Leave it. You, look, you don't look convinced on that. I don't, but okay. I have nothing really to go off. Gary Bryant Jr. will have another game of at least 150 yards. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. He's going to get a lot of targets, but I don't think uh, BYU or Cal is going to allow him to get deep as much. Okay. Xavier Alfred will keep his interception streak going this weekend. Ooh. Three interceptions in two games. I'm going to take it just for the heck of it. I'm going to leave it because I don't know if BYU will ever need to throw the ball. Mm. These last two are basketball. Oh. I did not get to last week, but Keely has to answer first. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she cannot teeth. Ah. Shotgun looks so smug right now. My goodness. I always look smug. That's true. Boogie Ellis Boogie. is the key Boogie. to getting USC back to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I'm going to take it just because it seems good. <laughs> Whereas Shotgun is going to be like, well, the blah, 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 blah. I'm going to leave it because yep, I think the time. X factor, I think Boogie's going to be consistent for them throughout the year, but I think the X factor is Max Agbapolo. If he, I mean, he scored 17 points last game, career high. If he gives them three and D and can knock down a couple three-pointers consistently for them and gives them six, eight, ten points a game, then I think that it just adds such a different element, whereas I think Boogie's going to be pretty consistent. They're going to need to rely on him, but I think he'll, he'll carry the team um, as much as he can. But you need those X factors to step up, similar to what happened uh, in the, the run last year, Isaiah White hitting threes, you know, Isaiah Mobley becoming a three-point shooter during that run. I think those were the things that really led them more than so than just saying Evan Mobley led them to the Elite Eight. Great analysis, Shotgun. Keely, do better. Uh, yeah, I need to. Hey, it's still football season <laughs> in my head. Uh, USC Hoops will have a single loss going into 2022. 4-0. First time in seven years. I do know that. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. First time? Yeah, that's what it said on the Instagram caption. Pretty sure it's fifth time in seven <laughs> years. <laughs> okay, I suck. I just said Shaka, do you better. go first while I... No, no, you're not allowed to go first. But I'm trying to fact check myself. Um, I'm going to take it. Mm. 
their schedule prior to I mean they have a funky schedule coming up because they they play in a couple tournaments. Yeah, they play in the uh, the Wooden Legacy tournament down in Anaheim this week on Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Um, the Black Friday game will be really interesting because it's they'll play either Georgetown or San Diego State. Those are the two teams that Andy Enfield and Florida Gulf Coast beat to get to the Sweet 16 in 2013, and obviously he was inducted into the um, Florida Gulf Coast Athletics Hall of Fame earlier this year Ooh. for that Dunk City run. So I just think it's kind of interesting that that'll be the matchup. But really interesting matchups later in December – December 18th, they play Georgia Tech in Arizona. Really interesting because Georgia Tech has two former USC players in Kyle Sturdivant and Jordan uh, Usher. So that should be fun. And then they go to Oklahoma State. Um, and obviously last year, it would have been a tremendous matchup last year. Everyone would have watched because it was Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, two of the top three picks. But it should be a really good game uh, again this year. And they finished the calendar year with Arizona State at home which Arizona State and USC always play really interesting games. Um, so that could be an interesting one as well. And different this year for the first time, the Pac-12 has expanded to 20 conference games. So you're, they're actually playing two games in December, that or early December, that will be conference games. So they play on December 1st against Utah at home. Utah shouldn't be very good, but they're an interesting team because they have a new coach. And they go to Washington State, which Washington State's – going to be undefeated when they get there at least they should be they have nobody on their schedule and they're an intriguing team as well so I could see them losing at Washington State and I could see them losing one of those tournament games that they're in or one of those road trip games late in December but I'm gonna be optimistic and say that uh that they'll have one loss or less look at that look at that both of you taking it also uh I am very wrong and very bad at this (laughs) Uh, for the fifth time in the last seven years, so <laughs> my apologies. Got her. Part of that is USC has played, you know, relatively yeah. not great competition early in the season, kind of building itself up, and then they usually play in a decent um, Thanksgiving tournament, and they play during December either in a Christmas tournament or something. They usually play some good competition then. That's kind of how Andy Infield has built his schedule consistently at USC. Interesting. And that wraps up. Our corporate take it or leave it. Thank you to Sephora. Let's all vogue a little bit. Vogue, <laughs> Just, uh, vogue, vogue, vogue. Shotgun, you're not voguing. Shotgun. How do you even know this? That's like 12 years before you were born. Are you kidding me? This I, There is a... Shush. There's a home video of me in a diaper dancing to Vogue. So. Really? <laughs> Elmer footed that. Okay, whatever. Let's go into the fun ones. Uh, obviously, Thanksgiving this weekend. we got a lot of Thanksgiving ones to get through. Um, but we'll go with the non-Thanksgiving first. Uh, dollar store becoming dollar twenty-five store. Leave that hardcore. <laughs> Leave it. But there's also a reason why other stores are like Dollar General. It's generally a dollar <laughs> because inflation, everything's going up. They're like, what can we even put in here for a dollar anymore? So you're taking it? No, I'm leaving. <laughs> leaving it. They should change it to something else. Um, Apple dollar ish. Dollar ish stores. <laughs> I was waiting for the interruption. Yep. Yep. Uh, Apple will be doing a new service that sends you a self repair kit to fix your own phone, your phone yourself. Nah. Sorry. Take it because Apple has been so, so against anyone fixing fixing anything themselves that they try to make you go to their stores. They try to make you just buy a new thing every single time. 
instead of being like, oh, I can just change this one thing out and fix it. So I'm all about you know self repair uh, rather than having to pay so much extra because that's the thing with Apple. All their stuff is only Apple stuff works for it. There's no knockoff that works for it. No anything else. So there's no there's never a cheaper option. It's always it's got to be way overpriced something. So if I can fix it myself, I'd rather do that for sure. He's all about self-repair, and he looks at history, in case yeah. you want to know. I mean... He's I, a complex man. He is. I'm going to... He made a lot it. of good points. And then, he did, and then but I'm like, going to... No. I'm, I'm still going to leave it. Keely's like, I'm from Orange County. We just, just go and have Excuse somebody me, pay for it. that's not how that works, but sure. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Chris gave me the look with the winged eyeliner. I, I was about to say his looks, looks with the eyeliner just adds a little oomph. Uh, Oregon State turnover chainsaw. This has been on Take It or Leave It before. It definitely has. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I'm taking it, though. I would want them to have an actual blade. <laughs> Seems a little dangerous. Don't care. <laughs> now, let's move into some Thanksgiving ones. So I got a I got a list of uh the most disliked Thanksgiving sides. And I've got some Thanksgiving Day food protocols okay. that pe- people do. And we're going to see if you're with these or against these. Yes. I had a question. Where did you get the least favorite sides? Like who says this? Instacart. Okay. Um, so let's get into the protocols first. Like okay. if you're with this strategy or not. Okay. Like Thanksgiving Day eating strats. Okay. Okay. Skipping breakfast. I'm going to leave it. I like to munch a little bit. Take it. It's not the day for, for breakfast. <laughs> we don't need French toast. We don't need pancakes. We don't need eggs and bacon. Just save up for turkey. Drinking too much. I'm not a big drinker, so leave it. How else are you supposed to deal with your family? Take it. <laughs> also, PSA, be safe, everybody. Uh, the most DUIs is on Thanksgiving and not New Year's Eve. Everyone thinks it's New Year's Eve, it's Thanksgiving. Interesting. So be safe. Interesting. It's also interesting that the, the biggest party day in America is the day before Thanksgiving because everyone is returning home and they end up going out with their friends. Hmm. Yeah. Everyone except for us. <laughs> Following recipes exactly. No. Leave it. Yeah, a little spice, literally. A little spice. Yeah. Keely should probably follow them correctly. Excuse you. I'm telling you. Gluten free. Oh, that's not why he said it. He's just trying oh. to be mean. Both. <laughs> it could be both. Okay. Okay. Now let's get into these disliked. Uh, we're gonna go from the most, the least to the most. Uh, dinner rolls. If Wait, I could, just take I these would. Or yeah. Them? Yeah. If I'm I could, I would take it. I like dinner rolls. Yeah, okay. Especially you butter. pop them open, oh, yeah. throw some the mashed steam. potatoes. The, the pop scares me. Oh, you pop them open, throw some mashed potatoes in there. Especially you got King's Hawaiian rolls. <sighs> there we go. Do they make a gluten free King's Hawaiian? I wish. <laughs> uh, mashed potatoes. I can check on that for oh you. I know someone <laughs> oh, please. who works put, at a King's Hawaiian factory. Put, put in a good word. Okay. Thanks. Mashed potatoes. Take. Take. Huge mashed potato fan. I like any form of potato. You like skin or no skin? I'm okay with it. Okay. Not. He eats an orange whole. I think he's okay. (laughs) Mashed potatoes were my favorite food for many, many years. (laughs) They're probably. I don't know. Might still be mine. Um, salad. 
Leave. Leave that. You can get salad <laughs> get any other get day. Get the F out of here with that. <laughs> uh, Ty, I, I don't like salad on a regular day. Yeah, I still one. eat them. I don't like <laughs> them. I eat them. Why would I, on the day when there's the most glorious food being served, why would I be like, oh, you know what? Let's have some greens. So offset. <laughs> offset. Uh, <laughs> tied with salad, stuffing. Leave it. Even before I was gluten-free, I didn't like it. It's just dry, and it's like... Gross. Yeah, leave it. I don't know it what that what? noise was. I'm sorry. Yeah, leave it. I'm not stuffing. It's like fan. sand. What? I probably had bad stuff. What are you? <laughs> what are you eating? Like bags of sand. <laughs> he gets that joke. God, I hope he gets that joke. Uh, sweet potato casserole. Important question: Are there marshmallows that have been broiled <laughs> on top? I'm gonna say yes. Then take it all day. I will take it if it's good sweet potato casserole. <laughs> well. Who's taking bad? <laughs> there's anything. some dishes like mashed potatoes can be fine even if they're not great mashed potatoes. Like they're still going on my plate. But I eat some of the sweet potato. Like I take one bite, and I'm like, this ain't great sweet potato. Like I need that good stuff. So you need elite sweet potato casserole or sweet potato souffle. I potato. Good stuff. Potato. Um, third place, uh, cranberry sauce. Leave. Oh, let's go. Take that. Oh, take that. You can put that on anything. A roll. Cranberry Potatoes? goes nowhere except in a drink with Turkey? vodka. That's it. <laughs> no, you can you can even do it with sweet potato. It's a very versatile thing. I'm out on cranberry sauce. Oh, it's so good. Cranberry, team cranberry. Tweet me. <laughs> you always want to be on somebody's team. Because <laughs> yeah. you know your takes are terrible. No, I want support, and I think it's out Exactly. There. You're like, I need somebody else. Someone's got to be yeah, on my I team. I get bullied by the Helium Boys every day. Because you have so many wrong takes. Oh my like cranberry sauce. That's delicious. Uh, second place, green bean casserole. Leave it. Leave. No. Another, another thing that's usually not done well. Yeah. It's soggy. I prefer just green beans. Also, usually has cream of mushroom soup in it. And I'm not a big mushroom fan. So. True. Big mushroom guy over here. Yeah. Uh, do you go foraging for them? What? Do you go foraging for your <laughs> mushrooms? I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Foraging for mushrooms. Oh, foraging for mushrooms. No, I do not. You I don't know why that. And get some I don't really know why that accent apparently. was needed though. Because foraging. Because it's fairy like. That, that's a thing that they do in England a lot, actually. Mushroom foraging. He looks at history. Uh, I'm just telling you the truth. Number one, candied yams. Okay, confession time. I have know. a really hard time distinguishing between sweet potatoes and yams. No, that's a yam. What's the yam? I've I've Googled it to try and really memorize this, but I'm forgetting in this moment. The two different vegetables. I know, but like what's Similar. the real... Are you saying what's the difference? What's the taste difference? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't like sweet potatoes, so I don't eat sweet potatoes. What? What? Sweet potato fries. Spicy sweet Ooh. potato fries from Coles downtown. So hungry. Okay. Mm, um, good stuff. I'll take it. I'm leaving. I already have sweet potato casserole or souffle. Why do I need candy yams? I'm trying to see if there's a difference. They're pretty interchangeable. Okay. Yams are starchy and have a rough brown exterior. Sweet potatoes are a new world root vegetable and have softer reddish skin and a creamier interior. Interesting. Yeah. Creamier. There you go. Oh, okay. I'm team sweet potato. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And those are the most disliked sides. Thank you for playing. Um, and thank you to Sephora for yeah. getting us 
vogued out. Yeah. We've already went through our pies. What's your meat choice? Ham. Big non-ham guy. Big ham. Uh, turkey. If I have to choose a traditional Thanksgiving Wait, what are you meat. choosing otherwise? <laughs> Do you like bring something? Meatloaf? I don't know. <laughs> Ew, who brings... Sorry. Don't want to offend the Thanksgiving community. She don't want to get the bad side of Team Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chris is like, I'm bringing Impossible Burger to Thanksgiving. Hey, what? you definitely could. Some vegans out there. Just don't eat the meat. But what if they want a substitute? Eat more sweet potato souffle. <laughs> and that wraps up Take It or Leave It. Well done. Well done. Well... That wraps up a special Thanksgiving edition of the Family Feud Podcast. We're so thankful for all of our listeners. And everyone. Everyone. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Probably just like scared. Well, he actually did it. He actually did it. I'm proud of you. He never participates in this. Until she messes up. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe it was on purpose. 40 chess, shut eh? No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, this is a fun one. You, Ooh, you, you claim they're all fun ones, though. Oh. Thank you. Wait, what'd you say? You, <laughs> said you claim they're all fun ones. Oh, I thought you said they're all fun ones. I didn't you would know never you say something that nice <laughs> yes. and positive. You, Shotgun Spratling or Keely Yor, you can be credited with any work of art you want. An album, a painting, a play, a movie, a creation of a television show, whatever. You get to be created for that form of media or art. What do you take credit for? What would you like to take credit for? Does this include royalties? I guess if you want to look at it that way, you can. I'm just asking. If you just want to get the biggest payday for yourself, you can. She's like Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Disney Corporation. I'm glad you're siding on the side of big corporation. No, I'm not. Actually. You just want the biggest pool with that has a smaller pool inside. It's called a jacuzzi? You're a jacuzzi. <laughs> I would say, off the top of my head, I would get. I can get deeper here, but Marvel. I think that's a fun universe to like be a part of and create. So maybe I'm trying to be Stanley. I don't know. No, I'm not giving you credit for creating the entire Marvel universe. Oh. You get credit for creating one thing. So like, you want the credit for being creating Spider-Man? No, 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 no. no. Okay, let me let me revise. She here. really went big royalty there. She was like. <laughs> Give me all the Marvel money. I want it all. I think I would go with the Sistine Chapel. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Why? It's absolutely gorgeous. Have uh, you seen it? I have not seen it in person. <laughs> um, I have not been to Europe, unfortunately. But Michelangelo, it's one of the greatest pieces of artwork. And the fact that just the ability to do that on a ceiling is just kind of blows my mind as well. The pictures are much smaller than I thought they would be. They are. Because yeah. like they're in little rectangles, and I was like, oh. So you've seen it. Yeah. Look at that flex. I wasn't trying to. Yeah, she was like, well, when I went. No, I'm not I was trying, trying to, to think of a, of a good book that I would want to be, uh, but I, I think the Sistine Chapel overrules any of the books that I can think of off the top of my head. That's how I know he looks at history. He went he with the... He does. A hignor- his- hignorophy, <laughs> historically significant piece of work <laughs> like the Sistine Chapel. You do come off like painter vibes. Like oh, you could like he does have no artistic ability at all. But you have the vibes. you have the hair. Like you have, if you just throw some Wear paint the white on you, I could yeah. cut off an ear. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Still waiting on uh, Miss Moneybags over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's hard. 
Like, uh, you don't answer your and ones, right? I wish uh, you on would. On occasion, I would. Can you answer this one? I'm curious what you'd say. Curious what I would say? Yeah. Why would I would say? I don't know. Curious where your mind goes. You're the one who thought of this question. I would want something that's like unique and like, but also widely acclaimed as like being like the best thing ever produced or something like that. So this is like a random one, but the creation of uh, the Watchmen, uh, Watchmen, the graphic novel, huh. which is widely considered like the greatest graphic novel ever written. Okay. I'm sure none of you have written. I've not read it. I've seen the movie. Does that count for anything? Like anything you do. Not a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, the look on Keely's face. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, okay. that wraps another episode. Not even an answer now, huh? I don't have anything else to say. Let's not get some Beyonce, turkey. A Beyonce, let's get some turkey. There's no turkey here. I'm <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't go with a Beyonce song or something? I, okay, I thought if I said the Lemonade like, album, you guys would make fun of me, so why I didn't would, say it. Why... I ex- fully expected you to pick a Beyonce song or a Beyonce album. Oh, yeah. Beyonce the Lemonade album. album. So great. Or the Homecoming. Uh, there's so many. This is why I can't do it either, but probably the Lemonade Not album. the choreograph, choreographer for the These Homecoming yeah. Coachella special. Maybe. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> why am I giving her her, her ideal answers? <laughs> if, like, if I was going to do something written, I would think Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. If I was going to do a song, I would do Amazing Grace. Oh. Oh. Bagpipe version of that is nice. (laughs) It is. What a weird out of context quote. (laughs) Bagpipe. Bagpipe. I can't talk today. Bagpipe version of that. Very nice. (laughs) Very nice. Alrighty. Now that's going to wrap it up for the Family Feud podcast. Thanks so much to everyone who listens and submits. We are thankful for you this Thanksgiving. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.